Hello and welcome to Family Matters with our United Resource Pack. Today we're going to ask an important question. Is gender dysphoria in children and teens being manufactured and encouraged to accomplish a bigger agenda? This is our first episode of this podcast. Uh, we're going to explore the connection between teens, children, and gender dysphoria and you definitely don't want to miss it. So stay tuned. We've got a great show in store. Can you turn it up? Turn it up. Just turn it up. Just turn it up. And again, thank you so much for tuning into our show. I am your host, Brittany McDowell. Our show is brought to you by our organization, our United Resource Political Action Committee. We're not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. Uh, we're registered with and regulated by the Federal Election Commission and the Secretary of State. Uh, we're also registered with the IRS and recognized as a tax-exempt political organization. Bet you didn't know that one. Uh, ultimately, guys, we're committed to uh, committing the resources of the people to the issues, policies, and politicians that are in the absolute best interest of individuals, families, obviously communities, and most of all, our great, great country. <laughs> I mean, again, if you don't think our country is great, something is wrong with your mind because this country is awesome. We have a lot of freedoms afforded to us, but we do have a big responsibility. And part of that responsibility is making sure that we are aware of the issues uh, and we're aware of um, just politics in general. It's so disheartening that so many people, um, for whatever reason, don't take an interest in political issues until it really affects them. Uh, and sometimes in a manner where it's like absolutely too late to really do anything about the issue. So uh, we're, we're here to to help people out in that regard. So anywho, on, on a quick note, before we actually get the show started, because, you know, we're talking about children's teens and gender dysphoria, um, I wanted I want to kind of put something out there. So we've done extensive research on a candidate by the name of Stacey Abrams. Uh, she's running for governor in Georgia. And when it comes to gender identity, though, we're not quite sure where she stands on some issues. Now, um, something that we are aware of is the fact that in 2016, um, she did vote nay 
aka no on house bill 757 um which basically was her voting to force religious officials to perform certain ceremonies aka weddings aka you know all that good stuff um but other than that there's really not much else on her as a candidate and where she stands on issues such as sexual orientation and gender identity. And so I just want to put it kind of out there. Uh, we've kind of used our resources, but one resource we haven't really looked at is you guys. So we're starting off the show by asking for your help, okay? If you have any information that you think would give us clarity on where she stands on the issues, uh, again, the issues of either sexual orientation or gender identity, Go ahead and please share it with us on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Our Resource Pack, one word. Again, that's Our, excuse me, at Resource Pack. Please, 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 excuse me. Find us on Twitter at Resource Pack, okay? Um, and, you know, it could, it could be either way. I'm not saying, you know, only people who um, have information with her being against um, you know, a certain ideology, but also people who have her being for a certain ideology. All we're looking for is information to help us correctly identify where she is on those issues. We just don't have access to that information. But if you have it, we'd greatly appreciate it if you would share it with us. So in advance, thank you so, so much. Uh, again, we're trying to formulate our official stand on her as a candidate. And quite frankly, maybe you just have access to information that we don't have access to. And if you don't mind sharing it, we most certainly would appreciate it. All right, so this is our first episode of this podcast. And as you probably have been able to tell by this point, um, we are a podcast dedicated to families, hence the name, <laughs> Family Matters with our United Resource Pack. But our podcast is all about discussing the issues that are important to traditional families, okay? Now, according to Merriam-Webster, we want to get a little bit technical here to start. A traditional family, it's made up of, of one mother, one father, and a child or children, okay? I did not make up this definition, okay? This is, this is again, coming from Merriam-Webster. If you don't believe me, go and look for yourself in the dictionary and you can see the definition of traditional family. Um, our organization as a whole supports traditional gender identity. Um, that is the biological uh, biological men and then biological women. Uh, and we apply um, the, that to the definition of traditional families that that has been provided by Merriam-Webster, okay? So we've taken our stand on an issue and we've combined it with a, a definition from the dictionary, the Merriam-Webster dictionary. So for us as an organization, Essentially, traditional families are made of biological women, uh, or excuse me, a biological woman, and that biological woman is referred to as the mother, okay? Then you also have in that equation, in that group, you have a biological man who is referred to as the father, okay? Um, now, you also have children or a single child in that equation, and they can be either male or female, okay, but they are biologically male or biologically female. For us, 
That is what makes a traditional family. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the driving forces behind our show and the official stand that our organization takes on the issue of gender identity is the fact that quite frankly, there's there's been an increase in, in children who are seeking to, as they call it, transition to the opposite sex, you know? And the bigger issue is that, I don't know if you know this, but transgender teens, they attempt suicide more frequently than just your typical adolescent, okay? Um, and it's that occurrence, it's sad, and it's wrong in our opinion as an organization if we just stand by and we don't do anything about it. You know, let me be clear. We're not as an organization looking to argue whether a two-parent family can raise a child better than a single-parent family, uh, but we do believe that many of today's problems uh, they originate from the breakdown of what we refer to as the traditional family, okay? Again, I don't know if you know this, but I, I stated earlier, in case you missed that portion, our organization is all about supporting individuals, families, communities, and our country, you know? Uh, and, and we can't do this if we overlook this issue, especially considering the impact that it is having on a really vulnerable segment of our society, and that's our children. Uh, and, and, and if you look at gender identity and you look at children, like I said, you have cases of children's, um, specifically teens, but again, it's really happening really young and, and early on for some of these children, but the amount of teens that are actually making what they call the transition when they go from male to female or female to male, um, th that's happening a lot more frequently. And, and so the question that you have to ask yourself um, when you look at, you know, different changes that have happened in society, um, one of the biggest changes that, that has happened is um, the 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 uh the creation and kind of bringing on of what we refer to as social media and so you know i personally kind of question well you know as social media had an impact on this increase um then you know our question you know if children are just maybe being overexposed to transgender ex individuals and i'm not just saying on social media but i mean you literally cannot watch a television show without one of the characters either being transgender or you know pre-transgender they're questioning and in every kind of facet they are putting that in front of the eyes of your children so are they being overexposed to transgender individuals uh but then on the flip side are children not being exposed enough and, and thus having this kind of curiosity fueled um and I know that sounds kind of crazy, especially when you just ask, well, are they being, you know, exposed too much? Look at it from this perspective. If someone isn't exposed enough, maybe they don't know what it truly entails. Maybe they really don't know uh, the ramifications of either said decisions or, you know, the, the perception that they have based on the glimpse of what they've seen. If they've only seen the good and they don't see the bad, Maybe do we need to expose them more so they can see the bat? Who knows? You know, I mean, we we most certainly have questions, um, and 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 like the ones that I've just kind of asked. You know, there's definitely a lot more, but 
those are good questions to kind of start, you know, and, and asking yourself, asking your family, um, and, and just to kind of personally consider, you know, then, then there's something else out there I'll also consider. There's data out there that, um, you know, after you look at what's going on with the children, when you consider what's going on with parents, because there's a lot of data out there that's being used to pressure parents to put their children through basically this transition therapy, um, you know, and then there's this just how there's social pressure with children, there's social pressure with with parents to say, if you're not transitioning your children because they have a question, you're a bad parent, we might take your, your child away, you know, you're you're discriminating against your own child because they say your daughter says she wants to be a man and you're just not letting her become a man. I mean, they, there's pressure as it relates to parents too. So you've got pressure on both sides. You've got pressure outside the home and then you have pressure inside the home. And this should be considered as well, you know. Quick fact, speaking of daughters, did you know that girls, they are more likely to transition than boys? Did you know that? And 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 I've got some questions with that. Is this because... Your daughters are being targeted more than your sons. Do you think that it's because your daughters are just for whatever reason more susceptible, not saying that women are weaker, but our brains kind of do function differently differently and women or and girls tend to think more from a, a place of emotion. Um, do you think that makes them more susceptible? I mean, what, what do you think could be the fact here, you know, and, and not to get too religious here, but I just kind of want to draw similarity uh, to the original fall of man due to Eve, you know, I, and I'm not going to get too much more into that. I, I'm not some, some, um, you know, religious scholar, and I'm definitely not in a place to, to kind of have that to, to kind of expound upon that. But when you consider that and you consider the fall of man and, and where it started with Eve, do you think that this is the modern day version of that? If it's starting with your daughters and your little girls? If you or your children, if you, if you listen to all the noise that's out there, you really unfortunately might come to believe that, you know, um, all gender identities are equal and healthy and 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 there there may be fixed in children's and teens you know like if they feel that they're supposed to be a certain way you know they they're just supposed to be that way but the fact is that this is an ideological premise that is it, it's touted by medical professionals and psychiatric guilds but it's not based on scientific fact, okay? Uh, the promotion that, that we see nowadays uh, as it relates to uh, your transgendered ideology and, and quite frankly, way of life, when you look at it and you see it in the, the schools, I mean, they really are, are starting early on in sowing confusion in the minds of children and they're encouraging children to question, okay? Questions are good, but they're encouraging children to ask questions that serve them no good. They serve them no good. And, and, and in all honesty, this has really become an industry and it's become a very profitable industry. You know, these people, they're providing children and, and your teens 
with things such as like puberty blocking drugs. Uh, the girls are getting double mastectomies. Uh, and there's a lot more going on. And, and while all of that's going on, do you also know what's simultaneously happening? These pockets are being lined, okay? They're being lined with cold, hard cash. So there's obviously a financial incentive to get more of these done. Cold, hard cash. Who's going to say no to that? It's a very profitable industry, you know, and, and these people, if, if you look in the schools, going back to them, you know, it's starting really young. You know, they're, they're encouraging even the youngest of children to question whether they're really a boy or a girl. I've seen some things where, for instance, on um, like in libraries, both in the school and then outside the school, you've got reading where the drag queens come and read to the children. Do you think that they're reading, a, you know, do you think that it's about the books that they're reading? No, if that were the case, they could just have, you know, Sam's mom or Hillary's mom, somebody's mom or dad come and read the book. But oh, no, they're doing it under the guise of we're just reading to the children. There's nothing wrong with reading to the children. You know, we want our kids to be educated, but they're not educating them on the stuff that's in the books. They're educating them on how to transition. That is what they're really, the reading that's going on. Oh, no, 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 no. They're not reading the books. It's called reading in between the lines, okay? The lines of man this week, woman next week. That's what's going on. Do you think, especially when you see, because I've seen literally, and, and especially, again, using the example of uh, the library reading, you, you find examples of like them reading to three years old, three-year-olds, four-year-olds. Especially when you think of a drag queen, okay? Um, and, and and I'll just kind of say this on a side note. A lot of women nowadays have taken on the, the impressionable looks of the drag queen with all the makeup and the hair. That's another story for another day. Um, but when you look at, for instance, the drag queen, do you honestly think that a three-year-old or a four-year-old is really paying attention to the cat in the hat? When they have this thing that they are not accustomed to seeing on an everyday basis in front of them, these people are a, they're a rarity. So it's not like your children are exposed to them on an everyday basis and they can say, oh, this, I've seen someone who looks like this just yesterday or earlier today. Oh no, they're so focused on what is in front of them. And it appears to be a book, but it's what behind, it's behind the book that matters. It's the person behind the book that matters. And they're targeting these really young children. Why is no one, I have another question. I'm full of questions. Why is no one looking at these, these environmental causes of, of the actual issue here, which is gender dysphoria and the risks, both the, the physical and psychological risks of medical transition, okay? Forget the fact that we're promoting this to children. But when we look at all of the risks, okay, we'll talk about some of the other risks a little bit more a little later, like from a mental health perspective, but just even looking at the suicide alone, again, I pointed it out before, these children compared to their, their counterparts, their non-transitioning counterparts, 
they're committing suicide at a lot higher rate. Why are we not looking at that? Do you think it has anything to do with the cold, hard cash that are lining the pockets of these people? Do you remember how I told you that that your your daughters, your 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 little girls, your baby girls, the girls that sat on your lap and and said, "Mommy, Daddy," you know, do you think that your daughters, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like, I'm I'm feeling frustrated in this moment because obviously I'm a woman, I'm a I'm a biological woman. I, I don't subscribe to this, what do they call this, cisgender, cis woman. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm a what you call a woman. There's nothing before that, nothing after that. I am a woman, okay? And, and this really infuriates me because you think about everything that these little girls go through. Uh, I can only speak from my own personal experience, but when you look at society and you look at what you see on TV and stuff and you see that little girls struggle with, you know, self-love, you know, they maybe when they're going, when they're developing and if, if you have children, please, you know, I don't know if this is something you want them to hear, but if, if when they're developing physically, maybe their breasts don't develop at, at the same rate as their peers. And so what do they do? They feel uncomfortable. On the flip side, and I personally dealt with this aspect, my breasts developed a lot earlier. Um, and I also felt a certain level of discomfort. I felt like I was being pulled out of being a child um, because I had these two things sitting on my chest that I didn't ask for. Um, when you look at, you know, also the development of when girls get their period, you know, and all that stuff. Uh, and, and especially for those who are kind of late bloomers, they may feel like I'm not transitioning into a woman like my peers. So there's suffering there. There's a lot of suffering once you get past that stuff and they get used to their, their new bodies and accepting those. Then they start dealing with the issues of I'm not thin enough. I'm not pretty enough. My hair isn't long enough. I don't look like the popular girl or I don't, you know, and, and they already have so much going on, man. So much. Here I am in my late twenties. Okay. I will be, Oh, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> I will be 30 in December and I'm finally at a place where I have accepted me. Okay. There are things about me that I want to change. Obviously I want to lose weight, but you know what the difference is? The difference is I'm not saying to myself, as I've said before, and we're getting really personal, you'll learn through this podcast and any of the others, if you listen to them, that I have, you know, sometimes I might have some reservations about sharing things, but I will if it's applicable in that moment. But I consider the fact that in the past, you know, because I've always kind of struggled with weight, and I would literally put myself on really restrictive diets, okay? I would um, either um have a very low calorie count per day like literally limit myself to 500 calories a day Sundays even as low as like 300 calories a day um I would just drink liquid for days at a time to the point where I was walking around feeling dizzy barely functional couldn't focus but in my mind I was a few steps closer to not having 
stomach fat. I was a few steps closer to not having bigger thighs. Okay. But when I look at myself now as a woman, I want to lose weight, but I want to do it because I want to be healthy. Not because, oh, I, I, I need to have smaller thighs. I want to do it because I don't want diabetes. I don't want high blood pressure. I don't want heart problems. I want to have a long life for the nephew of mine who just turned six months years old. I want to have a long life so that way when I find or when my Prince Charming finds me and we get married, I can live long enough to be an awesome wife, an awesome mother. Do you see my motivations have changed? But going back to this original premise, when I look at what's being done to these little girls, they already have so much that they're dealing with and a lot of issues. There are some girls and women who were fortunate enough to deal with their issues early on, like before they hit 20. But a common theme that I have seen is a lot of these issues don't get resolved until their late 20s, mid 20s, some cases even early 30s. And now we want to add to all of those issues that these delicate and, and, and just wonderful little girls have to deal with and, and finding themselves and becoming the women that they are meant to be. Now we want to even have them questioning if they're meant to be women. Are they really a man? Like, do you see how this is really cruel? Because a lot of this stuff, again, when it comes to the boobs and the periods and, you know, a, a lot of this stuff has to do with stuff that's kind of beyond their control. They can't decide when their boobs come in. They can't decide, you know, some girls have naturally curly hair, you know, and, and of course they can take certain measures to not have that curly hair, straightening their hair, but you know, or maybe they have acne. And while for some people, uh, a, a lot of acne problems, excuse me, a lot of products take away acne. For some people, they either can't resolve the issue because it's a hormonal issue, like a serious sort of imbalance, or maybe it requires a lot of resources that they just don't have access to, to maybe get laser skin resurfacing or whatever the case might be. But on top of all of this stuff, they've got to deal with that they have no control over. We are deliberately as a society inflicting more confusion and harm on these little girls. They're girls, okay? But again, consider and go back to what I told you earlier, that your daughters, they're transitioning more than your sons, okay? And and that's something that's, that's kind of weird when you look at it, you know, but then at the same time, it's really no surprise that, that when you look at adolescent girls, if you take a group of girls who have transitioned to being males, so they're trans, they're girls who transitioned to boys. Did you know that they have the highest rate of attempted suicide compared to the adolescent boys who became girls. So again, are we targeting these girls more? Are they just biologically more susceptible? What's going on? But while we're asking all of those questions, I ask, must we not protect our daughters? I don't have any daughters, but I'm saying to you, our daughters, because 
this is a community, you know, this is a community. Yes, we have our individual families, but at the end of the day, we are part of the American family and we have to do everything we can to preserve it. And that means protecting our daughters. I don't know. I, I really feel, as you can see, I, I really feel a certain way about this issue. Um, this is really an important space. And, and we're going to continue to ask some really tough questions, you know, uh, and I just want you to know that this isn't the end of of our addressing this issue. A majority of the show is going to deal with this transgendered stuff that we're seeing, not necessarily always related to children and teens, but in, in, in more ways than you probably are aware this stuff is really impacting our ideology, our our society. Uh, and, and when you start by looking at the children, as we've done right now, you have to remember that this is only part of what's going on, part of a larger picture, okay? But just remember that this podcast, it's totally and completely committed, like I said, to keeping our daughters safe okay your daughter is my daughter i'm looking out for her just as i'm sure you look out for the daughters of of, of other people and, and i'm sure you would look out for mine should i have any daughters um this podcast is about looking out for families you know without families <laughs> this country doesn't have a leg to stand on this family is about communities okay you can do very well in the home but once you leave the home, you have to have a community that is able to sustain itself and the individual families within that community. And most of all, our country, okay? It's kind of the final piece, but but not to say that it's not as important as the other pieces. Um, but, but we've got to fight for our family and we have to keep our families uh, and our country and our communities safe. And we have to keep it sane because when you look at what's going on around us, it is not safe and it most certainly is not sane.
If you need help understanding transgenderism, we want to recommend a great resource to you. No, we're not getting paid to make this recommendation. Um, frankly, I don't even think this organization knows we exist. <laughs> but uh, anywho, the organization is called Focus on the Family. And, and what they've done is they've compiled a lot of resources, okay? And, and those individual resources together have made a master, like a super, uh, super detailed resource uh, that, that literally has one purpose and that purpose is to help you understand transgenderism. Uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to post the link to that master resource on our Twitter page. Um, if you're not already following us on Twitter, you can find us at resource pack to go ahead and get the link, check it out. You have nothing to lose uh, other than your mind when you read what's really going on and what's really happening. So do you think that from what you know about transgenderism, do you think that it's being forced on the public by the state? You know, we talked earlier um, and we've, we've been talking to this point about children and teens transitioning and, and how that's kind of been being put on them. And then we talked about the pressures that parents have. Uh, you know, but but I really want to know that when it comes to the biological treatments um, that we've talked about, whether it be hormonal therapy or a double mastectomy for girls, should we as a society be looking at using those treatments as early as possible uh, so that way we can kind of help these young people transition? Uh, or should we just kind of look at using caution? Um, and, 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 and as part of that caution, should we consider that there may be psychological issues that, that we kind of need to look at? I really question and I wonder if young people, especially when you start looking at these really young people, like younger than 10, like if they can really draw conclusions uh, about their gender identity, when, when especially for most of them, they're going through what's universally known as a, as a tumultuous stage in their life. You know, they've got a lot going on with their bodies, with their peers, with their families, with school. And do they, you know, I'm not saying the kids are dumb, but, but are they really in a place and do they have the, the mental ability, let alone capacity to, to really make some, some, some serious conclusions about who they are and where they're headed. And especially if they're looking at hormonal therapies or, you know, things that will, for instance, take away their children, excuse me, their ability to have children at a later point in life. Can they, like, if they can't even get a driver's license yet, if they can't drink beer or get cigarettes, can they really, and should they really be making these types of decisions? <laughs> you know, some, some parents out there, they, they, they discourage their, their younger children, um, particularly from behaving in ways that are contradicting to their assigned gender. Um, some of those examples might include, say, for instance, a little boy playing with dolls or wanting to wear skirts and dresses and wear lipstick. Um, but you have to ask the question, is, is that wrong? Especially when you see so many parents nowadays, not just, you know, letting, for instance, their little boys do those things, but in a lot of ways, encouraging it. Quick fact. 
did you know that the majority of the majority of transgendered children um, they have prior diagnosed psychological disorders, uh, the most common of which is depression. Did you know that? You know, I and and I've always wondered on, on kind of a personal level. I've gotten really personal with you guys today, but I've wondered. Like, say for instance, you take someone who's transgender, okay, and then on the flip side, you take someone who has what's referred to as body dysmorphic disorder. Um, if you don't know about that, the most common kind of form, you used to see this a lot like in the 90s, where girls who would just say kind of look in the mirror and they thought they were just fat based on what they saw in the mirror. Like they were convinced they were 200, 250 pounds at five feet. But when you looked at them and you looked at their 110 pound frame, it was very evident that they weren't, okay? Uh, essentially, body dysmorphic disorder is just a troubling belief that there was something wrong with someone's body, with their own body. And so I've kind of wondered what's the difference between the two. Um, I've not heard anyone kind of ask that question, so I'm kind of throwing it out there. Um, you know, and, and just in general, I mean, I've put to you not literally a million questions, but a ton of questions. Um, this issue just naturally, considering it's almost unnatural, well, it's literal unnatural nature. Um, it, it really begs a lot of questions of us. Uh, and, and I'm hoping that, that we find some answers along the way because they're definitely needed. We can't just continue in this space with out having these questions answered, but, that, but that's where you come in and, and we really do need your help. You know, um, one of the focal points of not just the show, but literally our organization as a whole is the family. And, and we definitely believe that it all starts in the family. Um, but while we recognize that, that point uh, and that fact, we also consider that we have to look at the politicians that we're putting in office, okay? Um, more questions, you know, what, what do these politicians fundamentally believe on this issue? Uh, and, and you really, when you go to the polls on November 6th, which I know you all will, there are some questions that you need to ask yourself. You need to ask your spouse. You need to ask those around you who you know care about families and, and communities and our country. These politicians that you're voting on, okay, have they voted in favor of traditional families? What is their voting track record? Have they made statements uh, and, and have they made votes? Because votes are statements. Votes are votes are uh, the way in which they can they communicate what they really stand for. Have they made public statements, written statements or, or have they voted in favor of promoting transgender ideology and lifestyle to your children? I'm not talking about you know, oh, do they just you know support the LGBT community? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm talking about do they want it promoted to your children by voting for stuff, you know, that impacts your children um, on a personal level in their schools with their, you know, um, if I know a, a thing that happened in the not too distant past 
uh, was the stuff, um, uh, if you were more like the stuff like the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts and how the Boy Scouts are no longer the Girl Scouts. And I know this isn't a transgender issue, but I'm just kind of bringing it up, like how some stuff inputs or excuse me, impacts children. Um, you know, have they made public statements about that? Like, do they agree? I know that it wasn't something that they voted on, but is, you know, look at what they're saying. Look at when, when they put out press releases. There are resources that we'll share later uh, where you can actually research for yourself uh, how these politicians have voted on certain issues because you need that information. But, But you need to look at it and you need to consider it because if they are voting on these issues that negatively impact your children uh, and, and promoting these this type of ideology, it's directly impacting them. And maybe they haven't voted on it yet, maybe because they haven't been put in office or because they're new to office or whatever the deal is. But if they've made public statements like verbally or if they've written in favor of putting this stuff in this junk in schools, it's only a matter of time before they literally do it. Another thing to look at, and again, we'll provide you the resources at a later point to kind of explore this, is, you know, if they're receiving financial contributions from organizations that support and promote transgender ideology or, or, or literally that have a financial interest in transitioning your children, you know, these, <laughs> do you not understand, and I know you do, but I'm just kind of in my feelings and I feel a certain way about this issue, but is it not clear that these medical uh, these medical organizations, they have a vested interest, a financial interest in your children transitioning? Do you not understand that these companies that make uh, equipment that is only utilized during the transitioning um, the transitional uh, kind of surgery, do you not understand that they have a vested interest in seeing your children transition? Then there's a lot of other nefarious things when you start looking at uh, organizations that don't necessarily financially benefit, but they socially benefit because of a of an, an agenda that they have to kind of maybe, you know, I'm not going to even go there because <laughs> I will go off on yet another tangent and I don't need to do that. But those are just three of the very basic questions that you have to ask when you go to the polls on November 6th, because believe it or not, specifically related to the money aspect of it, a lot of these politicians, they receive money from organizations that have a financial interest in changing the sex of your children. It's sad. It's it's really sad. But you know what? What I can say for sure is that when you look at our organization, um, maybe not yet at this point because this podcast was just created as part of our podcast program. But as we put out more information and blog posts and episodes on this specific issue, oh, trust and believe they're going to come for us. Organizations are going to come for us. And, and, and we've accepted that fact because we are against what they are for. Okay. Um, and it's unfortunate, especially because they have a lot of money behind them. They have a lot of powerful people with deep pockets 
That's why when you look at where our country just even was 10 years ago compared to now, that's why 10 years ago we were kind of, you know, we were in a place where, for instance, the LGBTQA757 community was really big and you had a lot of them, you know, promoting and the parades and all of that stuff. And hey, I, you know, that's not what we're talking about, but that's what you saw then. It almost would have been unfathomable, even in that climate, to see and believe that we would be living in a time such as now where forget the LGP7PTQ and what's going on there in that space. I'm talking about when you look at the the, the laser-focused targeting of children. Ten years ago, be honest, did you think they'd have drag queens reading in libraries to, to six-year-olds? Next, they're going to be deploying them to maternity wards so they can rock the children. And I'm not really even being funny. Like, I'm... I'm not a psychic or anything, but please, please, three years from now, look around you. Go to a maternity ward. If you're not having children, just go visit one because I bet you they'll probably have the transgenders in there rocking the children so that from day one, then if if they can find some way to get a transgender, you know, I'm going to leave it alone. Okay, <laughs> I will go off on a tangent and I don't need to go there. Okay, but all of that considered, we're in bed for a lack of a better term. We're in bed with you. We're not in bed with those organizations like those politicians. Okay, we get support from people like you who, who want to promote traditional families uh, and, and who want to defeat those, whether they be organizations or politicians, that literally want to do harm to our communities, our families, and our country, because I don't care what anyone wants to say, uh, and, and, and it's not about, you know, making people feel good and singing kumbaya. You got to call a cat a cat, and this cat is doing wrong, and it's doing harm to our families and our society. We need your help to accomplish our mission. Um, As an organization, one of our main goals uh, is to elect politicians who, again, promote traditional families. And um, we do everything we can to defeat politicians who want to promote the transgender ideology and lifestyle to your children. But again, we can only do this with your support. You know, uh, no one likes to sit and talk money, but the reality is that it costs our organization money to expose these politicians and to defeat these politicians. So if, if you can, for the sake of your children, it's not about how much you like our organization, but for the sake of your children, please contribute to our cause. Whatever you can give, if it's $5, again, whatever you can, anything you can do will help us take down these people and these organizations, okay? Um, I mean, do, do, do you really, 
do you really want to let these people get elected and, and, and influence your children? And, and the thing is, they're influencing your children without your consent. Okay. And then what you end up with is you end up with this craziness and this confusion in your home. And you didn't even know, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're looking around and you're kind of noticing some things going in your home and you're like, well, you know, I've done this as a parent, you know, my wife or my husband and I have kind of, you know, we've worked to instill these values. I mean, you do have to know that at every point, um, there will always be external influence, you know, upon your children. You can't always be with them. We all know that. Okay. Um, but a lot of people just aren't aware of some of the more nefarious things happening, uh, specifically when you look at these people who, you know, we've charged with educating and caring for our children. Um, they're not doing that. They're not caring for them because they're educating them on things. And especially here I go again on the tangent, but especially when you look again at the, the, the when they're targeting these younger children, these kids in kindergarten, um, you know, and, and, and I'm going to look at, I'm going to tell you about, there was in my local area, there was a kindergarten class, okay? In that class, you had, I believe it was a little boy, um, may have been a little girl, but I believe it was a little boy. And the little boy, the child, we'll just say the child, was transitioning from one sex to the other, so from male to female, okay? And in an effort... Um, Despite the good intent that some might see, because <laughs> I'm not sure I quite see it, but um, I guess in an attempt to kind of help the other students, the other kindergartners deal with the transition that that student was making, changing their sex, the teacher decided to read a book. I forget the name of the book, but it essentially looked at different, um, it looked at gender and, and, and changing gender. Okay. After that was done, now, mind you, other students in that class, their parents have no idea that that book was being read. They had no idea what their kindergarten children. I don't have children. I don't know the exact age of kindergartners. Um, but I'm guessing what that's like five years old, six years old. Um, I think maybe six is first grade. I don't know. I think it's somewhere around the five years old range. But anyways, long story short, the parents had no idea what was going on, what was being taught to their children. And you had one little girl. She went home. She took her bath that night. She was terrified terrified, like hysterically terrified. And when her parents asked her when they were giving her a bath, you know, what's wrong? You know, when, you know, can, can, what's, what's going on? Explain this, what's going on? She was so convinced based on what she had learned earlier that day with that kindergarten teacher. She was so convinced that she was going to turn into a little boy that she was terrified. 
Is that not troubling? You also had similar, but maybe not, um, you know, not necessarily the same experiences, but you had other experiences, you know, that other parents talked about um, their children going through as a result of that book. Is, is that is that not troubling? Then this one wasn't local to me, specifically on the issues of, of families, but uh, traditional families and not, you know, not just on like this whole transgendered issue. But I, I was I, I come to be aware of a guy who he is a veteran and he thought that for. 9-11, this would be, and this wasn't this past 9-11, was a few years ago. Um, I believe it was last year or maybe the year before. He said that he thought it would be great to volunteer for his child's, in his child's class. He went into the class uh, with the expectation that on 9-11, they'd, you know, be talking about, you know, um, you know, some things related to American history and stuff like that, and maybe color some American flags and do you think they did that that day? Mm-mm. <laughs> I want you to think, just even if, if even if you know that they didn't do that, they didn't cut out American flags and they didn't, and, and um, mind you, they didn't even pledge allegiance to the flag. Um, but just take, take a brief second. Before I tell you what they did that day in class, I want you to think. What do you think they did in class that day? What did our vet go to his child's class and volunteer and seek? I'll give you a hint. It involved a book. Okay. What this honorable vet saw when he decided to volunteer. And I, I, I want to say that the child was like in third grade or something like that. What he saw, he did not see them pledge allegiance to the flag. He did not see. The kids cutting out flags and talking about being American. Oh, no. He saw the teacher get a book, go to the front of the class, and read about families. They read about families with two dads. They read about families with two moms. They read about families that I want to say had multiple dads, multiple moms. I don't mean just like two and two. I mean like a dad and seven moms. Um, but do you think they read about a family with a dad and a mom? Do you think that was in the book? If they could mention all of the other families and, 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 and do this whole diversity inclusion stuff, do you think that they mentioned anywhere in the book or its title? Traditional families with a mommy and a daddy? They sure didn't. They sure didn't. We've we've got to take these people down. Um, and I mean, to me, at least, it's very obvious that that something has to be done. Something has to be done because they're, again, they're influencing your children and they're doing it without your consent. Like, literally, they don't need parental consent to tell your children about this stuff. Like, 
They don't have to say, um, especially those of you with high schoolers, do you think that they ask for your consent when they teach your children um, about anal sex? Again, that's kind of a different, but again, like it, it's not necessarily about that it's, itself. It's about the fact that they are taking control away from you. They are removing the families. Families don't matter anymore. This is why we need you. We need you to help us. Help us help you help our families. Help us help you help our communities. Help us help you help our country. We have to take our country back. Okay? I know for a lot of people, that phrase particularly, um, especially a lot of people who happen to fall um, in, in the same uh, category as I, from an ethnic perspective, uh, as I'm an African-American woman. Um, but uh, for a lot of people, the whole take our country back can kind of have a negative connotation. I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. Uh, but in this instance, take our country back has a very positive connotation. We have to take our country back from this confusion and from this craziness, because if we don't take our country back, our communities will be gone. Our families will be gone. This confusion and this craziness has gone too far. And if we don't stop it now, like, like right now, right now, right now, okay? Look at the clock. <laughs> this time, whatever it happens to be, when you're looking at this clock right now is when we need to stop this. We have to defeat these politicians who, who want to transition your children, you know, we've got to do it. Otherwise, we're doomed. On our homepage, click make a contribution so you can make a contribution to help us. Like I said, it, it costs us to, to expose these politicians and be exposed by running political ads. Uh, it costs us um, in, in ways that, that you just... Like, like we, we can't function with, without you. And it's not about, oh, well, I can't give. I mean, you literally may not even be able to give $20. That is okay. Whatever you can give will help us advance the cause and we will be sincerely, sincerely appreciative. Thank you for helping us help you help our families, help our communities, and help our United States of America.